DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual formation according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He is also author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, all published by the Crossroads Publishing Company. This particular series is based in part on Chapter 4 of Setting Captives Free, Personal Reflections on Ignatian Discernment of Spirits. Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Yet another quality that I've seen over the years with regard to spiritual desolation is the relationship between physical struggles and spiritual desolation. And I just notice in my own experience, and I'm obviously sure that I'm not by any means alone in this, that when I am experiencing physical struggles, I am much more vulnerable to spiritual desolation. And you know, it's a little humbling to say it, but I don't mean necessarily major physical struggles, certainly when those are present. If you have a surgery and the recovery is slow and you worry about the future and there's some pain as you're recovering, that can be one situation. But, you know, earlier this year, a lot of us were catching this flu that didn't seem to want to pass. And at some point, I caught some version of that. So for about three weeks or so, we didn't have my normal energy and uh, struggled just to do the, the, the ordinary things. It's in that kind of situation or even humbler thing maybe just haven't slept well you know one of us for a couple of nights and there's a tiredness as we go through the day but when we get to that point where physical issues weigh on us and then there's potential worry about what's going on and how long is this going to last that i find is a space where it's very easy to get tripped up into spiritual desolation and specifically the the worry about it uh, where is this going? How long is this going to last? Am I going to get over this? Why does this keep happening? It's uh, it's a very much it's a future directed kind of thing, as we've said already about spiritual desolation. So, I've learned that uh, when I notice that kind of vulnerability to spiritual desolation, experience repeatedly shows me that the worries are a lot bigger than the reality. So again, when I'm at my most spiritually aware. And it's a little harder when you're not feeling well. But when I am spiritually aware, I'll notice that and uh, turn to prayer to the Lord and just say, Lord, I know my worries right now are a lot bigger than the way this is. You're going to get me through this. You always do in these situations. And it helps a lot. You know, that's rule six, actually, prayer and examining what's going on when you're in a time of desolation. So I don't have to go on at length about this, but I just want to say that I think in times of physical struggles, when we're not feeling well, it's uh, easy then to get caught into spiritual desolation because we can tend to worry more than the Lord certainly wants us to, to worry at such times. So just seeing that can help us negotiate the physical struggles 
please God, with less of that spiritual burden, you know. Father Gallagher, in that physical struggles, and, we, and we've talked about the other non-spiritual desolation events that can occur in our lives, that, that we need to be patient through those as well and, and give time an opportunity to kind of help not only heal our bodies, but realize, for example, grief. Grief is something that can occur in our lives. It could be as devastating as the loss of a loved one. It could be the loss of a job. It could be a number of things. But sometimes grieving, it, it, it's a natural part of how we are made to cope with things and to adjust to a change. And that can take as little as a week. It might take a year. It could be a very long time. But I, understanding it and giving that some space, it doesn't mean that it, it has to affect our spiritual life. I mean, it, it may be another area that we can open up to God to come in and to unite with us through that. Yes, I think that's the key thing. It would, it's very helpful at such times. In addition to all the, the healthy, uh, emotional, relational kinds of things we can do and should do at such times to be accompanied, you know, in healthy ways. It's very helpful spiritually to share this space in our heart with the Lord, not to keep it simply closed within us. So if you look at the Psalms, as I think I probably said earlier, somewhere in these conversations, that's all that they are. They're an outpouring of the heart, whether joyful or in pain or in urgent distress praising God, whatever, but it's an outpouring of the heart, and it's a beautiful biblical model for what we need to do at such times spiritually. Open that space in our hearts to the Lord. Share with the Lord the pain, the burden, the loss that we're feeling. And know, to repeat a word I used earlier, that the Lord is eager to be with us there, wants to be with us there, does not want us to be alone with it. You have those lovely words of Jesus that come up at various points in the Gospel of John. I am not alone. This night you will all leave me, Holy Thursday night, but I am not alone because the Father is with me. And it's very important for us to know that we aren't alone and that there is one who is just waiting for our permission to be with us and to share with us what we're we're experiencing, eager to do that. So that's a very beautiful prayer at such times, uh, to be walking with the Lord through these experiences. But having said that, yes, uh, I, I mentioned physical struggles, but any kind of vulnerability is a space where spiritual desolation could enter. And so to respond in healthy human and spiritual ways is, is really a great blessing at such times. Now, this brings us to the all-important question, all right, that's spiritual desolation. Now we understand it. We understand how it's distinct from the dark night and the cross. Uh, we're, we're more alive to various qualities of it. So our awareness and our understanding is growing with regard to it. Well, what, what should we do in time of spiritual desolation? And so I'm just going to name this quickly. We began this series by recalling the entire set of rules so that we had a context for the rule on spiritual desolation that we're exploring 
And on the other end of this now, I don't want to leave this description of spiritual desolation without naming again the concrete steps that we can take to resist it. And basically, Ignatius goes through these in Rules 5 through 14, the final uh, nine rules in the series. So his classic Rule 5, if you're in a time of spiritual desolation, this is the first, first thing, stand your ground. Don't let the enemy into the territory of what you've decided that you do spiritually before that desolation began. Rule 5 of itself does an awful lot because it maintains safely the pillars of our spiritual life that we need at such a time. And then Rule 6, these are the active steps we can take to change the way we're facing the desolation. And so that recourse to prayer of petition, calling to mind truths of faith that can sustain us, maybe Bible verses, examining examining this, looking at it, how did this get started, what's going on here? And then instead of just fleeing into diversion or some kind of gratification, suitable gestures of penitential courage, as we said earlier. In Rule 7, a set of thoughts to consider. In time of desolation, this is a trial. It's within God's providence. The reason for it is so that we may resist it, and by resisting, grow in the ability to resist it, and then to call to mind that we can resist it. When the desolation is crying out to us, you're too weak, you're going to give in. No, I can resist because God's grace is with me sufficiently. I have all the grace I need to get through this. Rule 8, Ignatius calls to mind the key virtue, work to be in patience, stay the course, don't give up. Uh, One person to whom I was teaching the rules said, this is the way I see it, it's like you're driving, you stay in your lane. Uh, And the thought that will help us to remain patient in desolation is that it's going to pass, consolation is going to return, and this is going to happen much sooner than the desolation would have me believe. And then the uh, repetition, Ignatius, uh, once again calls to mind the four means that we just saw in Rule 6. Rule 9, the key question, why, why do I have to go through this? Why does a God who loves me permit me to go through this desolation? And the three reasons Ignatius gives when we're uh, negligent at fault someplace so that the desolation wakes us up, as it were, to a need to reintegrate that aspect of our spiritual life into growth toward God. And then two other reasons which have nothing to do with any faults on our parts, simply as a trial that God may permit because we grow as we go through it. And then in permitting spiritual desolation, we learn in the flesh, as it were, that the joy of consolation is not our doing, but God's grace. And that keeps us humble, and humility opens us to all further growth in virtue. In Rule 10, Ignatius invites us to look ahead when we are in time of consolation and serenely know that eventually at some point desolation will return and live the morning, the day, the week, the several weeks of spiritual consolation in such a way that we're storing up strength that will help us resist the desolation when it returns. In Rule 11, Ignatius pulls it all together and, as I said earlier, paints the portrait of the mature person of discernment, remain humble in consolation and trusting in desolation. And then in the last three rules, Ignatius highlights three qualities of the enemy's temptation so that seeing those, we'll be able to um, resist them well. And the importance in Rule 12, the importance of standing firm right in the very beginning of the temptation, before the snowball can start rolling down the mountain. And uh, if we do that, the enemy's essential weakness is revealed. 
In Rule 13, the enemy's urging to keep his temptations and burdens silent, hidden in our hearts, so that the burden can go on. And the uh, warm invitation to break the spiritual silence, to speak with a wise and competent spiritual person. And then finally, in Rule 14, the fact that we can serenely recognize that somewhere in our whole, the whole of our spiritual lives, there is a place where all of us individually are most vulnerable to the enemy's discouragement and lies and temptations, and to grow in self-knowledge to the point where we know what that is and we're working to strengthen it, strengthen it at which point the enemy's task gets an awful lot harder because that weak point is no longer weak. Now that's a very rapid uh, description of rules 5 through 14, and uh, consciously so, because we've done that elsewhere. So I would refer the listener who might say, I really like a bit more on that to our earlier set of podcasts on um, the discernment of spirits, where we go in detail through each of those rules, or of course the book on which that's based. Um, And there you will find the full teaching. So that what we've done in this series is to explore the nature of spiritual desolation, so that as we have a clearer perception of it, Uh, we will all the more be able to, I hope and I'm confident that we'll have more confidence and hope that we actually can resist it. And we will refer with all the more confidence and energy to the tools that Ignatius gives us in those final nine rules to help us actually, in the stuff of daily life, resist and reject the spiritual desolation. Now, the final thing that I'd like to do is to just share a few personal examples of how I have found the rules helpful in resisting spiritual desolation. And uh, these are in the book. I'm just going to give a few of them. Uh, And as I explained, I think, as we began this series, these are taken from my own journal. I'm a writer. A journal helps me in the spiritual life. Over the years, I have found it helpful in this living the discerning life to note in writing the different experiences of spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. And that helps me a lot to learn to see more clearly. Now, when I did that over the years, I never ever remotely dreamed that I would include some of this in in a book. But I was moved to do so. That's the subtitle of the book, Personal Reflections on Ignatian Discernment of Spirits. Moved to do so, as I said earlier in this series, because my experience is so ordinary. You know, there's nothing exalted about it. Uh, it's just the stuff of the spiritual life that we all live. And I, I really am confident that in holding it up, what I'm really doing, again, as I said earlier, is just holding up a mirror to what we all experience in my own individual circumstances, but certainly very common, ordinary spiritual experience that I think we'll all recognize in our own different settings, but we'll recognize the commonality of the experience. We'll return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. 
This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the Church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. All right, the first of these is, this was an early morning and I was uh, sitting in church after a time of prayer. And this was, the context is that this was a time uh, after my father had passed away that my mother was alone and we were worried about the safety of having her at home at this point. And so we were all chipping in in various ways. And what I did was, this was a time when I was working on a book. I took up residence in a parish nearby where my mom lived, was helping out a bit in the parish, was doing the writing, and then also was able to uh, stay in regular contact with my mom and assist in the various ways that were helpful. So that was the setting. So, And I wrote this. As I sit here in church this morning, there is a heaviness in my heart. Part of it is poor sleep last night, and part also is the uncertainty of how to deal with the situation at home, how to assist my mom in the way she needed. Now, this seems a little odd, but I'm going to apply the categories of discernment to my own experience here just as an illustration. So what I'm describing there is a non-spiritual vulnerability. 
poor sleep, so I'm tired. And then uh, uncertainty of how to deal with a situation that is not easy for us to know exactly what to do with, uh, to help a parent who needs help in that situation. I felt too alone yesterday and without much energy. I think, though, so this is where um, awareness is coming in now, I think, and some understanding. I think, though, that the enemy's lie is getting mixed into the natural tiredness after three weeks of this intense routine. So that's what I've been saying all along, that the enemy willingly works in our vulnerabilities. And there was one there, just a physical tiredness and the stress of a situation of being torn in various directions, writing, parish, helping my mom. The voice says quietly, and if the voice spoke too loudly, I might not hear it. So it's just kind of gently insinuated, softly, kind of almost under the radar, you know. The voice says quietly, you are alone. You are getting tired, and it's your own fault. All right, there's the harshness and the accusation coming in. Clearly not the good spirit here. You are pushing too hard, and you can't do this anymore. You'll do the work, but it will be with fatigue, and so you'll miss things in the writing. Your creativity will be dulled. You'll get to the end of this writing time utterly worn out. Now, can you see the desolation claiming power over the future? And look how dark it all looks. Now, if you believe that, it's, it's heavy. But if we can identify it, then it uh, breaks into nothing. You'll get to the end of this writing time utterly worn out, and then we'll have to pick up with your travel for ministry. Now, hear this next sentence. This is all going to be grinding hard work. Okay, so I'm smiling, smiling a little bit now. I wasn't then. Um, but that vocabulary... When you pull desolation out into the light, uh, it's really revealed for the shabby lie that it is. But it's, that's what discernment is all about, is uh, bringing these things to light. So the work. It will be fruitful, yes, but terribly hard. And you won't really have the time you need to finish. The warmth of the closeness of the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that you experienced in the retreat will fade. Just before um, beginning that time of writing in the parish, I had made my retreat, and it had been very rich and very blessed. So here in the desolation, claiming power over the future, yeah, that was a nice experience. It's all going to fade, though. It's not going to last. Desolation, claiming power over the future. That's a lot, exclamation point, and it was. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, help me, protect me, and show me the way. Mary, be with me throughout this day. Obviously, at that time, I wasn't putting names on things, but in our setting now, I think it's appropriate. That was rule six. That's the prayer that Ignatius invites us to turn to in desolation, to ask for help. Now I'm examining what's going on here. Objectively, the work has gone well thus far. It has been very fruitful. So when I look at what's actually happened in these three weeks, things have really gone well. Uh, a lot of very uh, fruitful progress on the writing. Um, I am tired to some degree, and part of it is the delicate balance in knowing how to help at home. So really, objectively, when I pull back from the desolation and look at what was going on, things were going well. It's striking to see the difference between how desolation portrays things to us and the truth and reality. When I prayed the Liturgy of the Hours in church yesterday afternoon, my spirits rose. I think more prayer can help at these times. I think I've mentioned earlier in this series how I've come to really appreciate the Liturgy of the Hours 
amongst other reasons for this aspect, because if you pray it periodically throughout the day, you're going to be praying. So you can never go too long in a time of desolation without recourse to prayer. Whether we pray the Liturgy of the Hours or some other form of prayer and have a routine of prayer, I think it's very helpful to have periodic, if, if only brief, you know, three minutes, five minutes during a lunch break, if that's all we can get then, but uh, to have periodic returns to prayer uh, throughout the day because that's very helpful in time of desolation. Um, it may initially be very hard to pick up the rosary or the breviary or the Bible, or whatever it is. Uh, and I've had this experience so often that I know it now. It can be very hard to do it. I may even procrastinate before I do it. But once I actually do it, I do it reluctantly, spiritually, kicking my feet, you know. But uh, within a few minutes, usually, it starts to get easier. And uh, before much longer goes on, peace returns. So that that... Just to comment on that, too, these regular returns to prayer and desolation are really very helpful. Further accusing voices. The part you are writing now is not very good, and this book is not going to turn out well. Now watch this next acclaim over the future. Your writing and your ministry are all coming to an end, winding down, which is an enormous gap, a step, even from saying the writing you're doing right now isn't going to go very well to the entirety of your writing, anything you may ever want to write in the future, all of your ministry, it's winding down, it's coming to an end. So there is desolation blatantly trying to claim a very dark power over the future, all of which obviously is just smoke and a lie. As I write this, it seems quite an attack. And I think it was. But I'll say that uh, just having written this out that morning was a great help for me and prepared any future further steps that I would take to resist this going forward. This next experience is uh, a chronicling of things that um, a spiritual director that I had for many years until his death a few years ago, wonderful Jesuit, Father Ed O'Flaherty, um, just a, a real gift and, and a beautiful man and deeply knowledgeable in these sorts of things. So I had shared with him struggles. This was uh, after a vocal surgery. And after the surgery, there was a period of recovery when for the first weeks, the doctors didn't want me to even try to say anything at all. And then just very gradually. So of course, it meant the uh, suspension of all ministry during that time. But it meant more than that. Uh, It meant, for example, that I couldn't join the others for meals because I couldn't talk. So I was isolated and um, just living most of the day in isolation on my own. And another thing happens too when you can't speak. After a while, you just long to be able to say more than a nod and say good morning, you know, but just to share something. Um, so there was a very significant, I would say, uh, non-spiritual vulnerability, you know, in this space. And um, the enemy was getting into this with some desolation. So... After I met with uh, Father Ed, I I wrote down what he'd said to me. Father Ed spoke of the fear about the what-ifs. That little uh, phrase, the what-ifs, is is a little bell going off for me now when when I find that happening. You know, when the what-ifs are all about what if this goes bad or that goes bad in a way that's discouraging, again, we don't have the good spirit working there. So Father Ed spoke about the fear of the what-ifs. 
This is the taunting of the enemy, meant to discourage you claiming power over the future. You'll never return to active ministry. It's all over. You'll never have a voice again. Uh, Never be able to share community life as before. The enemy wants you to focus on what is dark and to pull you into the future seen in this way. Reverently, I'm very sure I'm not alone in this. In times of struggle, uh, for whatever reason in our lives, and we look ahead and the future can look very dark. Again, it's the lie of the enemy. The Holy Spirit is helping you to pray in this, and Mary is present to you. Turn quickly to the Lord. There's rule 12. Just when the snowball is just getting started, don't let these what-ifs continue to unfold in your thoughts and pull you down. Turn quickly to the Lord. Ask Mary's intercession in such times. The enemy is all about the negatives, the no's. And now we bring objective truth into the situation. The truth, even on a medical level, is that there is progress and you are getting stronger, and that was true. The medical situations are moving ahead. There is real hope, and the Lord with his love is with you. So now, with the help of Father Ed, we're bringing truth into this dark uh, lie about the future. So, be quick to turn away from the negative thoughts. Don't even open the door. That's pure rule 12. Stop, Stop it right at the very beginning. Renounce the lies. Even imagining what might happen is a temptation. Be in the present. Be open to his grace today. Surrender to his will today. As Father Ed said this, I realized that I could do this. Surrender to his heart as best you can today. And then a lovely thing. The surrender is not a surrender to the worst. That is a surrender, all right, all of this may happen, but Lord, I'll accept it if that's what's going to happen. The surrender is not a surrender to the worst, but to his faithful love for you. This is the one you surrender to. He loves you, and he'll see you safely through whatever lies ahead. So again, I think you can hear this kind of experience I think we can all resonate with and how blessed it is to have truth brought into the the, the, the lie of the desolation. And I'll take just one more of, of these. Um, I had just finished giving a retreat, which had been a beautiful time of grace, and uh, had driven back uh, several hours' drive from the retreat house and had just returned home, and the following took place. I was just back after the retreat and the drive home. It was that vulnerable space I have long recognized right after giving a retreat when suddenly the people are no longer there. All the busyness and goodness of involvement with them is gone, and I am alone, feeling the tiredness after expending energy for those days. And over the years, I've really identified this as a place where uh, I am vulnerable to spiritual desolation if I'm not aware. Because uh, you've been deeply engaged in the lives of people, it's been wonderful. Um, You've communicated a teaching in a way that's been, you feel privileged to do. And then suddenly all of that's gone. You pull away, you drive away, and now you're home, and all of the tiredness of the travel and the expenditure of energy is there. So there's a space of aloneness and tiredness, which is a non-spiritual space which can, if, if I'm not discerning, be a space of desolation as well. I was in my room feeling alone and burdened, not wanting to pray the liturgy of the hours. There it was looming up. You know, it's time for uh, daytime prayer and getting toward evening prayer. 
how you really should be doing this. Uh, not wanting to pray the Liturgy of the Hours or do anything other than just get a novel and eat food that I knew I really didn't need. And uh, that's why I say so often when I teach these rules, I'm not standing on any pedestals. It's all of us. We're all brothers and sisters in this. We all have our ways of just, this is awful, and let me find something that's, I don't know, that's more pleasant, whether it's um, social media or um, music or, or, or whatever it is, just to, to pull away from it. And I knew that that was really a pull uh, away from the desolation. It was not really what I really needed then. I felt that the rest of the day was going to be like this. I watched desolation claiming power over the future again. I felt that the rest of the day was going to be like this, alone, exhausted, heavy, and without energy for prayer. And the, rest, the next is just grace. Then, as I unpacked, I put on a CD of the Divine Mercy Chaplet set to music. I had heard it a few weeks before and liked it, uh, just to help me get through the unpacking and so on. So let's put on some music. And here was the CD of a um, very lovely melody, just repeating over and over again, as the chaplet does, uh, the simple prayer of, uh, of the chaplet. My heart lifted right away. Now, what I was actually doing there was applying Rule 6 unconsciously. It's what I was doing when Ignatius invites us to meditation in time of desolation, call to mind the truths of faith that will support and sustain you. And through the music, that's what was happening here. My heart lifted right away. The beauty of the melody and of the prayer spoke to me. For the sake of the sorrowful passion, have mercy on, on us and on the whole world. Just repeated over and over with a lovely melody. It was a prayer for mercy, and it seemed just right for that moment. Now watch the difference between what the desolation was telling me about the rest of the day and what actually happened. My energy came back, which is really interesting. That heavy sense of exhaustion, there is, yes, there is an objective tiredness. You've just given a retreat and done a drive, but that overpowering sense of exhaustion um, wasn't real. You know, there was the desolation uh, at work. There was an emotional discouragement, you know, that was speaking to me there. My energy came back. I did the practical tasks that needed doing, unpacking, so forth, planned ahead for the things I would need to do the next day, and felt renewed desire for them. I found myself thinking of the goodness of the retreat that had just finished, so that the desolation is kind of hiding. Just had a wonderful experience of grace. I found myself thinking of the goodness of the retreat that had just finished with much gratitude to the Lord. I got some needed exercise, healthy non-spiritual thing, and the rest of the day went well. So those are just a few simple um, examples that I think are, are in our different settings, uh, very common to all of us, of the difference that living the discerning life can make. And specifically in terms of what we focused on in this series, the, um, the difference it can make to be aware of understand, name spiritual desolation when it's there, and then use the steps to, to resist and reject it. Then, to go back to where we started in the title of this book, Captives Are Set Free. And that's the purpose of this entire teaching. Yeah, you were very concerned, I, I think I could say, at the beginning of our conversations that 
there would be a perception on the part of the listener that spiritual desolation was a dominant type of factor in life when in actuality it's an impediment, it gets in the way, but once you are aware of it, you understand it, and you take action, it doesn't have the power that it seems like it might, and that actually the the joy, the joyful part of the journey in this time of consolation, this, this time of uh, responding and interacting with God. Well, it's helpful that you mention spiritual consolation now because given our topic, we haven't said an awful lot about it, but it actually is, it's the bigger part of the picture. Because God gives us, as Ignatius says, courage and strength. He's always with us, showing us the way, giving us the joy that moves us toward him, uh, the sense of closeness, the love, the warmth. So that's the bigger part of the picture. And spiritual desolation is a much smaller thing by comparison, but it's very important because if we're not aware of it and so on, it can really sap our energy. And if we are, then what happens if we're living the discerning life in the way we're describing here with respect to spiritual desolation so that we're resisting and working to reject it with God's grace? Then not only do we grow through the times of spiritual consolation, but we're also growing in key ways in the times of spiritual desolation. I may have quoted earlier, certainly in our first set of conversations, that sentence from one of the authors who says that without spiritual desolation, we would remain spiritual children. There are certain kinds of growth and um, maturing in the spiritual life that, normally speaking, only come through going through the trial of spiritual desolation and using the means with hope, with trust, prayer, all the means we've mentioned to resist it, wonderful growth is coming. So here's a day, and uh, for half of the day, electricity is working well, the lights are on, and then there's a power outage for the other half of the day. All right, at least I was able to work half of the day, the rest of the day was lost time. Applying that figure now to consolation and desolation, Half of the day was consoled, half of it was desolate. All of it was useful. All of it was fruitful. All of it is within God's providence. They're just different kinds of growth that God is giving through the one experience. Giving through the spiritual consolation and offering to us through the enemy's spiritual desolations and permitting that, please God, if we are discerning. Yeah, There is something very wonderful that you had shared just even moments ago that I think of even if we all examine and I know in my life I've experienced this at a certain point when you realize sometimes you have to tell yourself in the middle of whatever it is that's happening that he loves you he wants nothing but the best for you and because of that um, he's allowing something to occur and to trust him and to Continue to reach out to him and don't believe the lie. And if you can have almost, have, for lack of a better way of saying it, have that litany or mantra, just know that. Just say that to yourself. As you've shared with us, Father Gallagher, it's, it is like a big, beautiful house that he has waiting for us. We know he has a place for us. And sometimes even experiencing it here, we walk in and it may be filled with dust and smoke and all you have to do is open a window. Well, two verses from the Gospel of John come to mind as you say that. 
John 14, 1. So they're on the verge of the heaviness of the passion. And Jesus says to them, Let not your hearts be troubled. Have faith in God, have faith in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Yes, there's darkness. Yes, there's a trial. Yes, there's struggle. Let not your hearts be troubled. Have faith in God. Have faith in me. And the other is the final verse of John 16. I think it's verse 33. Um, Now that Jesus has talked more at length to them in the intimate setting of the Last Supper about his departure, their hearts are, are very troubled now. And so he says to them, in the world you have tribulation. And you know it's true for all of us, and there are ways in which it's growing as time goes by. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And that's the spirit in which we live this discerning life. That's the spirit in which we open our hearts joyfully to God's love and gift in time of spiritual consolation and engage the struggle confidently in time of spiritual desolation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I think, for me, that's the final word on uh, living the discerning life. That, that's the, the heart space, and that's the deep truth that gives us hope as we live it. Thank you very much, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. This particular series is based in part on Chapter 4 of Setting Captives Free, Personal Reflections on Ignatian Discernment of Spirits. You can find this book on Father Gallagher's website at fathertimothygallagher.org. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, and take action with Father Timothy Gallagher.